welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast. I am your host, Cody McBroom, the CEO of Tailored Coaching Method, a world-renowned online coaching company. This podcast is built to help you create a life by design. That's what the Tailored Life is. It's choosing to blaze your own path, make your own decisions, and create a life you desire. So in this podcast, you're going to learn ways to optimize your body, optimize your mind, optimize your relationships and optimize your business and career this is the podcast for personal development junkies and people who can't stop growing because they strive for more we are also going to bring on experts in every single field to teach you their own expertise so you're not only learning from me four days a week but I'm bringing other professionals in to teach you their principles too so if you love personal development and you constantly want to strive for more in life this is the podcast for you. Make sure you hit subscribe, send this to a friend that needs it, and keep listening to improve your life all around. And without any further ado, let's get into the Tailored Life Podcast. All right, uh, we got another Q&A today, guys. We got lots of uh, questions, a couple of them that we didn't get to last time because we had such in-depth answers. We haven't done a Q&A in a while. Did one last week? I know, but it hasn't. Well, while we're recording this, I was like, there we all go. the episodes that have aired have been, they were topics and overrated, underrated. Yeah. Which people apparently love, so we are definitely going to do a lot of hits of on that, yeah. But Should we get into it? Let's get into it. All right, we got one from Jen Johnston. What's your response when a client tells you they forgot to log their food over the weekend? My initial response, uh, okay. I'll separate my initial thought and my initial response because I don't say this to people, but my initial right now, well, my initial thought is bullshit, you know, because I don't always track on the weekend. You know, I know what my weekends look like when I don't track. Yeah. When I don't track on the weekend, it's because my weekend is far from compliant. You know what I mean? It's, it's drinking alcohol. It's hanging out. There was like the, like we had that block party in the neighborhood mm-hmm. the other day and I was just eating whatever we were barbecuing and yeah. drinking random shit. My neighbor was pouring whiskey. It was just like, it's a good time. I didn't log that shit. Yeah. Now I don't have a coach right now. So that's one thing. When I, when I commit to a coach, which funny enough, I actually did just commit to a new coaching relationship. <laughs> that sounds funny. Um, I thought you had Eric for a year. I did. I was with, I mean, that was, a, that year was up. And then he, he was actually super cool about this. Like, shout out to him. This is, like, how nice he is and just respectful in the industry. But um, basically, we finished the bulk, yeah. put on a lot of weight, started the cut, and there was nowhere way near we were going to be done with the cut by the time that year that I – because I paid in full for a year of coaching. Yeah. yeah. And he was like, man, no, like, I'll just – don't worry about paying. I'll just take you to the end of the cut. And I was like, no, dude, I'm not going to use three months of coaching for free. He's like, yeah, but you're low maintenance. Like, you get this stuff. You know, yeah. you're a coach. Don't worry about it. I was like, no, I can't do that, man. Like, you have to, like, what can, is there a charity? Like, you know what I mean? Like, what can I do? I feel guilty doing that. Yeah. Because um, I value your time too much. But long story short, that time just ended. And then we started a cut. But we were, like, three or four months in. And, you know, we had some changes on the team. I had, the business was busy. I was moving. Yeah. Personal stuff going on. I was like, all right, I'm going to step away from the cut. Go to maintenance. Go to maintenance, manage stress, do those kind of things. And then I'll return to it later on. And summer's three months away. I was just like, you know what? Um, I, uh, let me, let me get started again. Let me just dive in. I want, I mean, I'm ready. Like stress has been managed. The maintenance phase has been great. Like my biofeedback, super healthy. Um, I haven't got blood panel work done, but I know my hormones are good. Like I'm, I'm not 
in a deficit by any means. You know, I put on a little bit of weight between, but it's actually exactly what I preach, right? Like get your physique to a place where you feel good. You're performing well. I was hitting PRs in the gym. I was heavier than I've ever been. Really, really not ever. Cause I used to be yeah. way heavier, but from a semi lean perspective, I was the heaviest I've ever been. So I had the most muscle that I've had in a long time. It's like the perfect place to start a cut. But what I did is cut for three or four months, took a solid diet break. What has this been? Two months, two, three months. And yeah. then I'm going to jump back into it, which is something we talk about a lot, like spending more time and periodizing it the right way. So today's day one. Um, and it's actually funny, man. So like, uh, so I hired Jackson Pias, who we were actually just talking about recently. Mm. Um, and uh, just somebody I respect in the industry. He's, he's relatively close to my age. I'm actually a little bit older than him, but like I, there's just a lot of similarities with how he does things, his style. I was like, this will be a good fit. And uh, he's like taking me through a primer phase. He doesn't call it the same thing we call it, but it's just funny because it's like, all right, I'm ready to cut. And he's increasing my calories at first. And it's so funny because your first response is like, nah, man, like, let's go. Let's get started. I'm ready to cut. But I think back of like when I take clients through cut, I'm like, all right, we're going to eat a little bit more food for just a little bit. This mm-hmm. first phase, you know, we're just kind of priming the system. And it's so ironic to like go through that experience myself, you know. Um, but yeah, we're starting. And uh, the goal is to just be fucking diced up for for a trip I got going Damn. to Dallas Dope. in July. <laughs> diced up? Let's yeah. go. I'll be the most ripped dude at your bachelor party. Hands down. That's the plan. Good. Uh, probably already am. Yeah. Like, I was going <laughs> to say, what? <laughs> and I don't mean that as like a cocky statement. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but uh, no, I'm, I'm excited, man. It's going to be good. But take, um, take that personal challenge. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the thing is, too, is like, so like with, with this question, you know, now that I have somebody looking at my shit, I'm going to track the weekends. And if I fuck up, I'm just going to own up to it because yeah. a coach can't get you where you want to be if they're adjusting off of an inconsistent diet. So if they don't know what Saturdays and Sundays look like compared to the rest of the week, they're not going to be able to accurately move you forward. Yeah. So that's kind of what I tell people. I'm like, hey, like you see one of two things. You either see like Monday through Friday, a bunch of food logs, and then all of a sudden they just go missing. They're MIA for the weekend. And they're like, oh, I just was busy. I forgot to log, but I ate really well. It's like, huh, that's weird because you're up a pound and we kind of go through this cycle of like you lose a pound or two during the week and then you gain a pound or two during the weekend and we're just kind of revolving around the same weight. So I always tell people like, number one, like I'm not going to judge you for having weekends where you go off the rails a little bit. Instead, just track so I can see how far you go off the rails and we'll factor that into a flexible approach. For sure. And if you educate them like this and you talk to them on this level, usually they're more accepting of it and they'll be like, okay, so what you're saying is, one, I can be open, honest, and transparent with you. Yes, that's how this relationship works. And number two, I can actually go have drinks on the weekend and still lose weight. And it's like, yes, you absolutely can as long as we fit it into your weekly budget, which means we may have to create a bigger deficit during the week or on Sunday or just teach you how to fit it in on Saturday without going overboard. And if we do this, you can kind of have your cake and eat it too, right? You just got to be disciplined. Yeah, Um, which side note, I never understood that analogy. Have your cake and eat it too. Why would you have a cake if you're not going to eat it? If you, I mean, if it's your cake, that's it's the way you want it to be, and you can eat it too if you stick to that discipline. You know, but, but you know when people say that, like you can't have your cake and eat it too. That's why, that's how it goes. Yeah, fuck. It doesn't make any no, sense. It doesn't. If I get a cake, I'm fucking eating it. Yeah. <laughs> like what? There's a million ways to skin a cat. Who the fuck is skinning cats? All right, all right. Um, point is, is. Uh, Usually what you see with people is, is they're either just MIA, like I said, or the other thing you'll see is it's very scarce. So they're eating a lot. And then all of a sudden you see the weekend is like, Hmm, you had just a protein shake for, for lunch. And then you like had like 
uh, a chicken breast and some broccoli for dinner. So you actually underate on the weekend. That doesn't make sense. Like, usually it's, it's, even if you don't drink alcohol or you don't socialize, if you just stay home, like, I, I'm, I'm a homebody, you know this. So, like, mm-hmm. if, like, on Sundays, for example, I never do anything. Very rarely do I do anything with other people and socialize. It's harder for me to stick to my diet because I'm not busy with work. I'm not busy socializing with people. I'm just home. There's a pantry full of food. Mm. And I'm like, all right, I'm hungry again. I'm bored. And I just ate lunch two hours ago. Yeah. Whereas at work, it'll be four hours later. I'm like, oh, shit, I got to eat. Yeah. You know, so. Um, but looking through the log scene that it's scarce. And then just, again, just, just educating them, telling them, making sure they know that they can be open and transparent with you. But then educating them on like, hey, like, this is what flexible dieting looks like. We can make this work. So I'm not going to judge you. There's no, it's no big deal if this is what you're doing on the weekends. But I need to know so I can fit it into your plan so you can stay consistent long term. Otherwise, this isn't going to work. You're not going to get your result. Totally. Period. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I think a lot of people mm. get – I shouldn't say they get pissed because nobody's, like, yelling at their – I hope you're not yelling at your clients about this. But um, they, they get frustrated that their pl- clients aren't following the plan, and they get stuck in this mode of just, like, being so confused that their client's not following the plan, and they keep asking why, why, why. But they're not giving their clients – any flexibility. Any flexibility, no grace, and no plan to make it work with that. Like, if you're asking this question, and I don't mean to pick on you, Jim, but if you're asking this question, you know damn well what's going on the weekend. Yeah. Right? So so think of a plan, create a plan, and then educate them on that plan so they go, oh, shit, that's not too bad. Mm-hmm. You know? And then, and then it also ultimately comes down, I've talked about pain and pleasure. This is a really good way to associate it. It's like, okay, there's the pain of having to track macros and do those, be disciplined on the weekend, Right? Um, and there's the pain of skipping out on social activities, but there's also the pleasure of seeing results and there's the pleasure of going out with friends and stuff. So it's like, how can you have the pleasures while diversifying, diversifying the, the, the pain? So yes, you still have to track, but maybe we track away during the week to allow the pleasure of going out on the weekend. So you can have the ultimate pleasure you're after, which is results. Yeah. Right. And every single pleasure comes with the pain, every single one. So even like not going to the gym. Right, not going to gym, not meal prepping, being kind of lazy, just fucking watching Netflix, like chilling. That's a pleasure because it's relaxing, yeah. right? But the pain is what you see in the mirror if you do that for too long. You're not happy with your body, yeah. right? The pleasure of being aesthetically pleasing and seeing your results of, from a physique perspective comes with the pain of having to meal prep, having to plan your fee- food, having to log your fucking food in the app and track macros, which sounds crazy, but you got to do the work, yep. you know? So I think, yep, and I think, I think, the deficit is a pain, right? <laughs> You're hungry. Like that's a pain you have to accept. So I think it's just educating people on that too. Like, like really showing them the pains and pleasures because then you realize like ultimately it's worth it. Like the pain of fucking prepping meals and stuff and going to the gym. Sometimes it sucks, but it's really not that bad for the pleasure of really liking what you see, having better energy, being more confident, living a longer life because you're healthier. Like all these pleasures versus this one pain, mm-hmm. you know, pain in the ass thing. So um, showing them this contrast of pain and pleasures is another way to, to help. For sure. That's good. All right. Next one comes from Brittany Pittman. What does a typical day, what does a typical work day look like for you from the second you open your eyeballs? Whoa. <laughs> um, <laughs> the first thing I thought of when she, when, <laughs> with that part is like, uh, a typical Saturday when I open my eyeballs, that's my one day to sleep in. Blakely's my alarm clock. It's basically like how long can we contain her out of the bedroom before she 
Like, so Shannon will bring her down and play with her. But after a while, she's like, oh, where's dad? Yeah. You know, and it's a Sunday. She sleeps in. It's the same thing. Yeah. But there's like, have you ever, have you, you've probably never seen Frozen. Uh, you no. know, I mean, you know what it is. You yeah, got yeah, the frozen yeah, bike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a section or there's a part of it where she's trying to get her sister to wake up and she goes like this and she like opens her eyelids, oh, with her fingers. No. They all like wake up to Blakely going, oh, my do you want to build a snowman? And like oh, pulling God. my eyeballs open. <laughs> it's just like, whoa, <laughs> good morning, sweetie, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> uh, oh, God. But uh, <laughs> dude, we got her a fish. What? Yeah, we got her a fish. It was like a spur of the moment. We were walking. So we went to Total Wine and uh that's smart yeah and there's so there's a pet the pet co right in between that and sportsman's warehouse yeah, and i didn't yeah. even go to sportsman's warehouse to try to get bullets which huh. was impossible because they're all sold out yeah but we were walking by it and shin's like should we get her a fish she's like yeah fuck it let's do it you want fish she's like yeah so we get her all this fishing and everything and they're like you got to let the fish tank sit for a day before you can put fish in there they'll, they'll just die because the tap water's got to be filtered and you, you have keep to put it in the bag no so we didn't get a fish we just got everything and then yesterday i went into or the day before, I went into uh, Tropical Fish down the street. Have you seen that place? No. Dude, it's weird. Like, you wouldn't know it's Tropical Fish. Or you go in there, it's packed, and there's, like, all these exotic fish. Whoa. Dude, it's weird. There's a dogfish. The face looks just like a dog. Ew. Like, it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> I'll show you a picture later. It's so fucking weird. <laughs> but, uh, so I'm like, oh, yeah, I want uh, the clownfish, because my daughter wants Nemo. That's look what. Like, it looked like, oh. Yeah, okay. so that's what that's called. It's clownfish. <laughs> And uh, lady's like, oh, nice. You got a, one of those uh, saltwater fish tanks. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa what? So you have a saltwater fish tank? I was like, no, I have this little fucking bowl yeah. with, like, some rocks in it, like, with tap water. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, oh, yeah, you can't have one of those fish. Like, those are, you have to have salt water. You need a bigger tank. So I was like, well, I, re- I promised her a Nemo. Like, oh, no. what can I put in there? She's like, oh, I'll show you some that you can put in there. I was like, all right, cool. She walks me over, and she's like, these guys are really fun. And it's like a shrimp, but it's, like, tiny. I was like, look, lady, my daughter's not want a shrimp that you can barely see because it's so small. Yeah. She's like, all right, your only other option is to get a betta fish, but you can only get one because they'll kill each other if you put it in there. I was like, all right, well, give me one of those. So we get one, and uh, she's like, do you have a heater in your fish tank? I was like, yeah, it comes with a little heater thing. She's like, all right, cool. Shannon calls me today. She was like, there's no heater in this fish tank. I was like, what do you mean? She was like, that's why the fish keeps hiding behind the filter. It's freezing cold. Oh, it's no. It's going to die. Yeah. It hasn't ate any of the food you gave it. I was like, fuck. <laughs> Order a heater. Hurry. So. Damn. Hopefully the fish will be alive when we're when I get home. If not, I'm gonna have to go on a mission to replace the fish while Blakely is. Ah, uh, yeah. I didn't know fish would be so hard to maintain. Right, hey, at the, right <laughs> at the gate. Just fucking swim around, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, oh my day. <laughs> um, <laughs> forgot the question. <laughs> Ooh, uh, well, ADD. All right. Yeah, we uh, we might we might do some. Uh, Probably not a full, like, day in the life because I think those are kind of cheesy. Yeah. Like, just because it's like, why would you really want to see what I do? But I do think we'll do something with the YouTube because we're going to start getting the the educational YouTube back up and do, like, you know, like, basically kind of like a day, but more of, like, all right, what do the meals look like during this cut? And then we'll, like, maybe just montage clip of me working because it's the same thing all day. (laughs) And then training session, some education. We'll go over whatever topic it is, stuff like that. So you guys will see more of that soon. Cause I actually wrote in my newsletter, like, what would you want to see? And a few people said that style. So, um, but typical day, I usually wake up. It it ultimately depends on when I go to bed. So I wake up at five, five 30 or six, and it's completely dependent on what time I actually fall asleep. Yeah. So I try to make sure I get seven hours of sleep, which means depending on how late at the moment, me and Shannon watch Vikings until I'm like, all right, I look at the clock right before and I'm like, set the alarm. So Hopefully, I get up at 5, uh, 5, 5.30. I wake up. The coffee machine's already going. Go downstairs, grab coffee. I sit on the couch and read a book for 
solid 20 minutes and then I journal. So like no phone, no computer. I try to avoid any of that notifications or anything like that until a certain point when I'm done with my morning routine, which is usually, like I said, I used to be more complex with this, but now I'm in, it's like I wake up, chug a greens drink, grab a cup of coffee and I just read. Usually like right now I'm reading two different books. One's on like creativity and mindset and one's on uh, marketing and the marketing book. It's like, I'm done with a chapter in five minutes because it's like a couple pages each chapter. So read a chapter of that, go into my creativity book, then I journal, um, and then I usually go right into writing content. Uh, and I usually spend about an hour writing newsletters, uh, something for the website, uh, Instagram captions, but I'll do it in Word Docs so I don't have to open the app. But that's usually where I like, I'm most creative is before 7 a.m. So that's when I'm writing everything. Um, if I have a post already done, I'll jump on Instagram, post it, and then get off so I'm not sucked into it. Um, breakfast, go on a walk. Usually I have a call with somebody on my team. So one of the coaches during my walk at about seven 30 in the morning, right after that head into the office. And then I'm literally sitting at my desk all day. Like, and it's just, unless we have podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. It's basically like get, get to the computer, emails, programming, um, getting up and down with phone calls. Um, if we have a podcast with the new schedule, new routine, basically Wednesday, we'll be just recording podcasts all day. So that day would look different. We'd get, I'd get to the office and it's like record a podcast, shoot some YouTube, film some Instagram videos, record another podcast. And then I train, mm -hmm. right. Um, Monday, Tuesday is all like deep work, programming, emails, content, written style content, stuff like that. Meetings with people on the team or people we're working with outside the team to help development of the business. Thursdays is usually interviews for the podcast or for somebody else's podcast. Um, sometimes filming some content with Travis. And then Fridays is like from start to finish calls, wake up, <laughs> get on a call, like do my morning routine. Once I get into the office, I usually spend up until 10 AM doing programming for the Taylor trainer. And then after that, it's just like basically call after call, after call, after call, after call with different mentor clients. So people who hire me for mentoring business slash life coaching. And it's just, like literally sometimes I have a 30 minute break to eat, but it's just calls all day. And then every single day I'm done at three 30 and that's when I train, go home, dinner time. There we go. It's basically it. Um, which is why I think, I always think it's funny when people like a day in the life vlog is only cool. If somebody's like, if you're fucking like MGK, like you gotta, like, I don't know why his name came to mind, but <laughs> it's random. I mean, he's performing at a lot of places right now because yeah. it's like new album and everything, yeah. you know? So he's going to SNL and performing. Then he jumps on a plane and flies a different place. Yeah. And he's like, you know what I mean? That would be exciting. Yeah. But I think you should say anything other than just sitting at a desk. Well, there's a lot of online coaches who do shit. And it's like, oh, like you don't do anything. It's like yeah. you wake up and most of us eat the same shit every day. Mm -hmm. I mean, I literally eat egg whites and oats every single morning. <laughs> <laughs> there's like some more shit in there, but. Same lunch every day, you know, but, um, yeah, I think it's the thing that I've, I've kind of learned is like accepting, uh, what's the word monotony? Is that the word for like just the same over and over again? Monotonous. Uh, monotonous. Yeah. Like, yeah. uh, like accepting that is actually stagnant routine, <laughs> but that's hard, but it's not that's stagnant because you're growing. Yeah, you know what I mean? So, true, the, so yeah. I think monotonous is a good word for it. And I think like accepting that is actually a good way to be more successful because I used to thrive off like controlled chaos. So for me, it was like, I didn't have an office. So it was like, what Starbucks am I going to? Am I going to a different coffee shop? Where are we? Like what gym is going to let me film at their spot today? Like, all right, I'm, I got to crank out this stuff. And then I got to go train people at, at vigor. Cause I was still working at the gym. You know, there's all these different things, but I think now it's like accepting like, Nope, every Monday, same thing. Every Tuesday, same thing. 
Wednesday will be the same thing, you know, and that allows you to get into a flow and just do more. Totally. You know, don't get bored with it, but, um, that's the gist of it. Yeah. The thing I will say is, is from 7 a.m., 7.30, because up until 7.30, it's kind of free-flowing. My morning routine, I eat breakfast, go on a walk. I do write a lot of content um, during that period of time. And then uh, after that, I I just, like, um, I'm in the office, sitting down, doing yeah. thing after thing after thing after thing, you know. Um, but, yeah. That's it. That's it. That's the day. All right, um, we'll go to the next question. We'll go from Red Viking Fitness. Love that. Yeah, that is pretty dope. I've had a few people approach me about weight loss, saying they just can't lose weight. They said they've done uh, food journals for another trainer I know, and for another trainer I know, and based on what they write down, it seems they aren't quite eating nearly enough, like below 1k calories a day yet quite overweight i just don't see this being a serious possibility that they can eat six to eight hundred calories a day and maintain such a high body fat percentage like almost in the obese range so my question is how likely is it for this to be the case and how would you go about approaching a conversation like this where the client is very certain that they are overweight because they are under eating by a lot they're not yeah i mean it's such a hard it's a a delicate thing to approach because you know they at the end of the day like you have to be careful with saying you're a liar yeah you know what I mean because uh, because how accurate yeah because so, so there's two scenarios here like there's 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 three scenarios there's I would say 50 to 60 percent of the people that go through this they are people who don't realize they're not tracking correctly. Mm-hmm. These are the people where you say, hey, did you add your fish oil to your MyFitnessPal? And they're like, well, no, it's a supplement. Okay, well, how many do you take? Four? Well, that's four grams fat. You know, did you add your oil? Yeah, but I just put a teaspoon because I just do a dash. Okay, well, your dash is actually a tablespoon. So that goes from five grams to 16 grams of fat because a teaspoon is not that much. It's five, about five grams of fat of oil. A tablespoon, I believe, is 16. So it's it's a huge difference, you know. So when you teach them how to accurately track, they're actually consuming way more. So they weren't lying. They just actually didn't, they weren't aware, right? It kind of goes the whole behavior change thing that I was talking about. It's building awareness. Then they accept that they were wrong, and then they're willing to change. And that's when you educate them. Yeah. Um, I would say 30 to 40% of people actually are lying. They're not lying because they're bad people. They're lying because they're afraid of judgment. They've had bad coaching experiences in the past. They uh, feel guilty. They, they are ashamed. They feel like they're failing you or themselves. Um, there's a lot of people who put a lot of weight on failing their coaches. There's the amount of times I've had a client say, like, I feel like I'm failing you or I don't want you to think I'm failing or, like, I didn't tell you because I don't want to seem like – and I'm like, you're not doing this for me. Like, you're – following a diet and training hard and trying to chase your goals for you yeah so you're not failing me at all you're failing yourself and I don't even think you're failing you're just trying to work through these issues so I'm going to help you get there like don't ever put me in the category of failing anything because it has nothing to do with me right um it's like if you were fucking looking at a map or a gps and you're going somewhere and you miss a turn you don't go fuck i failed the gps (laughs) i failed this map you know like imaps is gonna hate me it's like no like 
that is your guide. Yeah. There's no emotional judgment there. Um, there's emotional care because not with a map. I don't think, <laughs> yeah, I don't think Apple Maps gets the shit if you go the no, wrong way. The GPS doesn't give a shit, but yeah. the coach does. Yeah. Uh, but my point with that is, is like, you know, I think like you got to realize you're doing it for, for you and in talking to your coach about that, will kind of open them up and they'll be like, you know what? I haven't been honest, you know? Um, I've had clients do both come to me after the fact and during coaching, like after we're done coaching and during our coaching and say, holy shit. Like I was, you know, I was, I read what you showed me or I, I watched the video you showed me about how to track properly or how to measure properly. I've just been doing it completely wrong. Um, or they come back to me like, Hey, like the more I looked through logs and pat, like I was, I was not eating what you thought I was eating or people were like, Hey, I haven't been honest. Like, you know, like I've had people that are like, I, I literally have a few drinks every single night cause I'm stressed at work and I just haven't been honest with you. Yeah. It's like, okay, well you're having an extra 500 calories, not even just a food, but of, of alcohol, which does no positive benefit to your muscle recovery, metabolism, anything. So it's, it's even worse than 500 extra calories of food, you know? Um, but, uh, and then there's 10 to 20% of people, this is like the smallest category who have, uh, I don't even say, I would actually say like five to 10%, not even that 1% maybe who like have some weird, rare hormonal or genetic disability or dysfunction that is causing them to not be able to lose weight. Like they are completely, uh, leptin res- resistant or something along those lines, right? They have like, issues with their actual hunger hormones or metabolism or gut or something that you are completely unaware of. Um, and they're unaware of, yeah. which it's just, I've been doing this for 10 years. I've like, I always be careful with saying like, I've helped thousands of people, but I, I really do think I've probably helped over a thousand people by now personally yeah. through in-person coaching, online coaching, oh, group yeah. coaching, all these different things. And I've yet to run into a single person who had such a crazy dysfunction that a deficit actually didn't work. I've had plenty of people who it made a deficit very, very hard, but Never somebody who like literally a deficit doesn't work because a deficit always works. It's thermodynamics, you know, like in, in like, I mean, not to take it to this cr- like crazy hardcore place, but you know, even like we work with the children's hunger fund, right? Mm-hmm. So we get pictures every month of like the kids were helping and in different countries, third world countries around the world. There's pictures of kids starving that literally are skin and bone. Like they are so skinny. It's the saddest thing. And obviously that's why we, support children's hunger fund we're trying to help them but do you think they like stopped when they had like 20 pounds left to lose and it was like i have a hormonal issue like this deficit's not working they're like no i'm not eating they keep losing yeah you know um there's no like starvation mode right if there was a starvation mode they still have some fat on their body but your body will eat everything like it'll start eating muscle at a certain point because if it has had no fat to lose it's going to start losing muscle because it needs something to preserve itself and live not crumble Exactly. That's why when you diet too hard for too long, especially women, you lose your hair, your nails get brittle, your cuts don't heal, you lose your period, all these things, because those are repair processes and regrowth processes that the body needs fuel to act and do and function. But when it doesn't have food coming in and you're getting too lean, guess what it does? It's like, well, I don't need to grow longer nails. I'm going to cut that off. I don't need a period to survive. I'm going to cut that off. I don't need to keep growing hair. I'm going to cut that off. Right. I'm just going to try to live. Yeah. So my heart needs to function. My brain needs to function. Wow. Um, that's why like, that's no bueno. like a question for men when they're getting further and further in prep, like, are you still able to get hard libido testosterone needs to be up? That's one of the things the body's like, yep, you don't need a boner. Like, let's cut that out because you're fucking starving and we're getting ready for prep. But wow. 
that, but see what I mean? Like, like if, unless these things are, if these things are happening on top of them, not yeah. now you're like, okay, we got issues. Let's find a doctor. Yeah. Something's going on. But that only happens when you're getting really, really leaner and you're in a big deficit. So yeah, typically like, it's just it, at the end of the day, like if they are lying, then it's your job as a coach to work on creating a more safe environment and positive relationship. So they feel open enough to, to let you know, because you can't just be like, Hey, like, I know, I know you're not telling the truth. So like, fill me in. Like it, it has to be more of a like constant reminder that it's an open conversation, open communication. Like, it's op- like you can talk to me about anything. And when you do that, they'll open up eventually. And then the other person just doesn't know how to track properly doesn't know how to measure food properly is taking supplements or, or snacking at work or doing something that they're not even consciously aware of um there's people who do that all the time like they literally just grab bites here and there and they literally subconsciously do it they don't even realize so it, it's it's figuring that part out you know going and you can even get on the phone with one of them and go like all right like take me through your day right like if that last question what does my day look like if if it was a nutritionist asking me that all right, well, I wake up and I have coffee. Okay, what's in your coffee? Uh, put collagen and stevia. Okay, let's see how many calories are in collagen. Let's write that down. What do you have with that? I have a green drink. Okay, how many calories in your green drink? Well, there's 12 grams carbs, so there's that. You know, and like I add that in. Yep. Um, breakfast is this, 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 and this. Okay, cool. When's your next meal? This time, did you snack on anything in between there? Uh, well, I did. Shannon brought me a coffee today. Oh, what was in your coffee? Almond milk. Did you track that? No, I didn't. Oh, shit. Okay. Well, almond milk, you know what I mean? Like, Little things add up over time. So it, it's really, it's ultimately just making it an open conversation, open door coaching relationship, and then also dissecting their day to make sure that there's no inaccuracy with the tracking or measuring. Totally. And I think you'll get to the bottom of it. They're, they're not literally <clears> eating. It's making a comfortable environment for them. Yeah. I know. I mean, like, so that meal you brought in today, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's probably 500. Like, if I'm guessing, there's there's meat, there's a bunch of peppers and everything, there's a bunch of rice in there, right? Yep. You put teriyaki or is it soy sauce? Whatever Joseph put, gets in there. Teriyaki, probably. Okay. Yeah, like a Hawaiian so, teriyaki. So, that's going to have some sugar in it, right? Yeah. Um, so, that's probably about, usually they're like 10 to 15 grams of carbs for a serving. If you're just dumping it in, you're probably having a serving and a half, two servings. Um, so, that's 20 to 30 grams of carbs. The rice, a cup of rice is 45 grams. So, if you're having more than that, you know, you're probably anywhere between 45 and 90. This stuff adds up. That's probably like a 400-calorie meal at the least, if not 600 calories, yeah. right? You're telling me that that's all the person eats all day? Yeah. Just fucking one meal of peppers, chicken, and rice with some teriyaki? No, there's no way. Yeah. You well, would, that person would be hurting. Yeah. You can't do that every day, you know? You, or maybe two, four hundred. So, yeah, you could minutes. get away with that. Yeah, but I, I promise you, by the weekend, your body is like, give me food, and yeah. then you binge, or you go to brunch, and you're like, okay, I'll have the chicken and waffles. Totally, that's fucking two thousand calories. So fucking good. <laughs> we passed Crockett's this weekend. Oh. I was like, oh my god, Crockett's is amazing. Impial. It's so packed always. Yeah. yeah, that place is fire. Yep, I agree, man. But yep, that's 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 how I would approach it. Cool, man. All right, so we'll go to the next one here from uh, TJ. I got, I got I to say something real quick. You have to. Just to just <laughs> You have to interrupt I'm gonna, me. I'm not going to sleep. Um, just to, like, a humble brag of the coaches, like, uh, just for from what I, like, I, I see us studying and, and I know the interactions and the feedback I get from client stuff, I, I truly think that's one thing that separates us. Like, we're all really well-versed in science. I mean, some of the coaches have – 
really, really impressive degrees. I mean, like some of them are getting their master's. One of them has a PhD. Multiple have four-year degrees in CSES, CISSN, all these impressive things. But the the psychology and the connection, like that part of what we do, I feel like is above average Dope. compared to most people in the industry. Most people, it's it's very like macros. If they're really good with macros, it's like macros, science, periodization. Like they understand that side of things. But being able to create a relationship with where somebody really fucking trusts you and you can get to the deeper rooted shit, like that's rare. Yeah. You know, most coaching is very surface level because that doesn't take any emotional intelligence. And it's, it's you know, to, to be in a situation like that where this person is insecure, under eating, overstressed, and afraid to tell the truth, man, that's a, that's a touchy subject, you know? So to be able to tap into that takes a completely new level of coaching. Um, so I don't know. I'm just, it's just, I see our coaches doing it time and time again. And it makes me super happy because I, awesome, yeah. I think that's ultimately what is missing in the industry, you know, cause I get clients too, who personal connection, personal connection, the emotional intelligence is the biggest one, there emotional intelligence, being able to have that empathy and understanding of another individual and, and communicate effectively how to work through it. Yeah. Um, cause you know, I get, I get to, I get clients too, that are like me. They're like, there is no emotional intelligence needed. They're just like, Tell me. I'm ready to get shredded. <laughs> like, my life revolves around this. So, it's like, dope. Let's get it. And it's fun. But, you know, those transformations don't always give you, like, a, a really good fulfillment in life. Because it's it's just macros and periodization. Yeah. Which is great. I love it. You know, even, like, I mean, I hire a coach and that's what they give me. Because I don't need anything more than that. But, uh, but yeah. No, I just, like, shout out to my coaches. Because they're, they're crushing it with that. Yep. And it's something, obviously, I, that I feel like I crush, too. Hey, do you want quick, easy, and fast fat loss? So fast that it'll happen in 30 days and maybe all you have to do is take a pill? Well, you're shit out of luck because it's not gonna happen. It takes hard work and patience, which is one of the reasons why I love Legion Supplements. They are open and honest about their marketing and on the front page, they tell you that supplements don't overrule training and nutrition, but they do supplement a good diet and a good training program. So if your training's dialed in, your nutrition is on point, and you want to get that upper edge and take things to the next level to get the best results possible for your body and performance, check out Legion and save 20% today by heading to buylegion.com slash boom boom. Now, let's get back to the episode. All right, next one comes from TJ Horn. It says, how do you account for how much a set counts for a specific muscle? How do you account for how much a set counts for a specific muscle? For example, do you count three sets of rows as three sets towards your biceps for the week or a set of deadlifts counting one for one at as lat training? That makes sense. Like basically when you're counting sets per muscle group per week, mm-hmm. how do you how do you establish what counts for what? Um, dude, that name sounds like a, an extreme sports athlete to me. TJ Horn, mm-hmm. like he's a dirt biker or a BMX rider or – a pro skateboarder or something. Vert ramp rider. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't that sound like an yeah. extreme sport Absolutely. athlete? It's a sick name, TJ. It's dope. TJ Lavin is still crushing it on MTV, man. He's still hosting the challenge. TJ Lavin? Is that a BMX rider? Yeah, from way back. He was yeah. like, he was the shit back in the day. Besides it, Dave Mira. Yeah, but R- Dave R- Mira is obviously not, no longer with us. But Rest in peace. He was, I mean, he was right there with Dave Mira. Was Dave Mira street or vert, though? Dude, I don't remember. I think TJ Lavin was street or like dirt. Yeah. Like not. I think Dave Muir did dirt too. I might be wrong, but I'm almost. Dude, doing a bike on a fucking half pipe. 
Oh my God. Vert ramp is crazy. Yeah, that would hurt so bad. Like jumping up and tail whipping like yeah. <laughs> or on dirt dude yeah you face plant your fr- front tire in the dirt oh, yeah <laughs> i would rather do that though than like go up and then be coming down 100 on a feet rail to a ramp that's oh, vertical dude yeah you're right you're right that's nuts you gotta have something crazy going on to be able to do that shit or you're just a fucking man i can't <laughs> you just, i consider myself a man but i mean fuck yeah this guy's got balls yeah but uh Really good question. So basically the way I look at it is uh, primary muscles count for one, secondary muscles count for 0.5. So for example, on a row, depending on what kind of row you do, the back gets really complex because you can also go like one point and then like half point for multiple because I can do a a lat dominant row and I'll still get a little like rhomboid, you know, upper back, mid back activation, a little bit of bicep. Um, but if you're really, really good with targeting specific musculature, meaning you have great form and you can execute a movement really well to target a specific muscle. So, for example, if I say, hey, you're doing a one-arm row, but I want you to do it for your lat or I want you to do it for your trap or I want you to do it for your rhomboid, you should be able to know where to position your elbow and your shoulder mm-hmm. in order to do that. I also will say that if you can't, I don't even think you're at a level where you really need to be worrying about like counting muscles per set per week like that at this level you know what i mean it's it's kind of like you know what do your movement patterns train enough days per week don't worry about are you doing 10 or 12 sets for your chest like totally. just fucking train it you yeah. know and then you'll get to a point where you can execute movements that at that level and then you can be like okay now i'm gonna start tracking a little bit more details but uh i go so like for for a lat dominant row my elbow would be low i'm gonna count that for one set like every set i do on that is gonna be one point, basically one count for my lat, half a count for my arm, right? So if I'm trying to target 20 sets per muscle group per, uh, or 20 sets for my lats per week and only 10 for my arms, basically that means like if I did four sets of, of lats, like wide grip pull downs one day and then low elbow rows on one day, that's going to be, what is that? Eight total sets for my lats and that's going to be two total sets or I'm sorry, four total sets across two days for my biceps because it's half points, um, which means that I could do three sets of direct bicep work on two days and be able to hit that 10, and I would just have to do like some straight arm pull downs to hit my lat one, which isn't going to account for my biceps because there's next to no bicep activation in that. Um, for a chest, like bench press, you're going to do one point for your chest and then like half a point for your shoulders and your triceps because your anterior shoulder is going to get hit. This gets really complex when you do it this way, what I like to do is err on the lower side and just count something for one muscle group. You know, so I know for a fact that everything on my posterior chain, my traps, lats, glutes, hamstrings, they can all handle way more volume. Uh, So I'm going to approach it from a 20 set per muscle group per week for me personally as an advanced lifter. And I'm not going to count my biceps in any of those, right? I'm not going to count my uh, lats on a deadlift, they activate, yeah, but isometrically and isometric contractions are not that beneficial for hypertrophy. Yeah. That's my main goal. So, um, but then I also have to look like, okay, what do I really care about growing? I could care less about growing my glutes anymore. So I'm not really going to do any direct glute work right now. I don't at least, um, except in like an activation. So like a little band work, which isn't going to blow my glutes up. It's just going to make sure that I do the shit properly when I'm training. Um, so like an RDL, would technically be like a half a point for my glutes and then a full point for my hamstrings because it's a it's a hamstring dominant movement. 
but I'm just not even going to worry about my glutes, right? Like I'm going to do less volume for my glutes anyway. So just to maintain them, I'll do half as much as I would for my hamstrings and I'm going to do direct glute isolation work. I think that's the best way to approach it. And, and when you're splitting these muscle groups up, you, you, you shoot for higher numbers on the spectrum. Uh, the general spectrum is 10 to 20 sets per muscle group per week. So if you're trying to build muscle uh, or change your physique and your body comp, you want to be somewhere in that 10 to 20 spectrum. If you're somewhere in that 10 to 20 spectrum, you're going to pick the muscle groups that can handle the most volume and um, don't act as a secondary muscle in other exercises towards the 20. So what I mean by that is your chest, you would put 20 there because your chest can typically handle a lot of volume, at least as a male. Mm-hmm. Um, and your chest isn't going to activate much in other exercises. So, you know, like your triceps, they fire a lot during a bench press because there's a lot of elbow extension, right? But when you're doing a tricep pushdown, you're not firing your chest really, right? So tricep exercises don't have a chest as a secondary muscle, but chest has tricep as a secondary muscle, if that makes sense when you're bench pressing and stuff. So I would put those towards the top. And then I would put things like your shoulders, which are a primary muscle at like the mid range, like 15. The reason being is because if you've ever done uh, pushups, you get some shoulder activation. If you do high elbow rows for your traps or your, uh, your rhomboids or mid back or anything, you're going to get some rear delt. You're going to get some delt activation, right? Bench press again, a lot of front delt. Even like if you do shoulders at all and then you're doing curls, just this, just doing a curl, you're going to fire your shoulders. So um, lifting your arms overhead for a lap pull down after doing shoulders, you feel your shoulders fucking yeah. burning. So I would go with like 15 sets for something like that. 15 sets for something like um, your traps. Your traps fire a lot when you're doing push-ups, when you're doing rows, when you're stabilizing any kettlebells in a front rack position or a barbell. So I would go 15 for those like secondary muscles that get a lot of attention on other muscle groups. And then I would go towards 10 on the smaller muscle groups that do act as secondary muscle groups, but they also just don't need as much attention to grow. Yeah. Right. If I need 20 sets for my lats to grow, I probably do not need 20 sets for my biceps to grow. I'd probably break my elbow. 10 is totally fine. In fact, I even go less than 10. Typically I'll have like two upper body days and I usually have three to four sets of direct arm work on each of those days, which means I'm doing six to eight total sets of bicep curls per week. If I really want to ramp shit up, I'll go like three sets of a curl and then I'll do another variation of curl for two sets at a high rep. So I'm doing like 10 sets total per week. Um, on the high end, on the high end. But, but again, like that's, I'm not, I'm not going to count my curls. Like, I mean, think of your forearms. Like, if you want to go to your forearms, are you going to count every fucking exercise you do holding the dumbbell as a half point? You can, but it's just going to get, like, fucking crazy, yeah. hard to track. So I would just count, like I said, small muscle groups closer to the 10 range, uh, secondary muscle groups that are larger in the 15 range, and then uh, primary muscle groups that don't get that much love and attention from other exercises in the 20 range. Um, and just because he, he mentioned the lats with a deadlift, I do not think deadlifts are a good hypertrophy exercise for your lats. It's an isometric contraction. It's not going to do very much for you there. So I would not count deadlifts as a lat exercise. I would count that as a glute hamstring exercise. I actually don't even count it when I'm counting sets for muscle growth because a, a strength-based deadlift is a horrible exercise for hypertrophy. It's a great strength builder, a neurological builder, but it's not something like like I prioritize in a hypertrophy program unless part of the hypertrophy program's goal is also to get stronger. If it's just to build muscle, I'm going with RDLs. Totally. High hips, more hamstrings, it's way better. Yeah. Hmm, interesting. All right, there you go, TJ. Uh, next one comes from Nikki O'Day. Says when you when you say you watch biomarkers to see how a client is doing, what markers specifically are you looking at? 
I'd say, you know, that's typically. Yeah, I was gonna say like there's there's the general ones I start with, and then there's the individual specific ones, right? Like so, the general ones I would start with are gonna be obviously macros and weight. Those are still biomarkers. When I say biomarkers, I'm just thinking, what data points with your body am I tracking? Totally. Yeah. Food intake, body weight. From there, it's gonna go sleep. So hours of sleep per day. Um, stress on a scale of one to five, five being very stressed out, one being not stressed out. Um, performance in the gym, five being you're crushing it in the gym, one being you're not. Um, I would go with mood. So uh, I go with mood or motivation depending on the person. Usually motivation is my starter. So motivation specifically to train and follow your diet. So when you wake up in the morning, are you like being one on the scale of one to five would be like you wake up and you're like, the last thing I want to do is eat a healthy breakfast and go to the gym today, right? And a five would be like, I'm actually pretty pumped that I'm like, consistent I'm ready to hit the gym like I'm motivated I'm gonna prep like my meals um and that's basically it and then if I get past that point like if somebody does have some issues that could be playing with serotonin and dopamine levels or stress uh indicators I might go hey let's put mood in there like how happy are you five being super happy one being sad um on a day-to-day basis and usually it's without knowing right if you put one but you also said like you you lost a loved one that doesn't count from a neurological perspective, it, of course you're sad. Like I don't, we don't like rate that as something is wrong. Right. But if you're a one and you don't know why, why would you be sad if you don't know why that's a, that's a marker of incorrect, uh, neurotransmitters in your brain going on that. Like I want to be aware of, so we can fix the diet, fix your stress to, to improve that. Um, digestion would be another one. If somebody specifically comes to me and they're like, I have gut issues. We're going to track digestion, right? If somebody has food allergies, okay, what are those allergies typically, right? Maybe you break out in hives or rash. Okay, how are those allergies doing? You know, so there's there's a lot of ways you can take it. Biomarkers are basically anything that is going to be caused from food or training and or affect your ability to stick to the diet or training or get results from the diet or training. We're going to track that. Um, but typically all you need is, is, you know, weight, sleep, stress, performance in the gym, and motivation. If you have those five things, you, you basically have everything you need in order to adjust. Uh, your your weight and macros are going to tell you the direction you're going, and if you need to adjust anything, mm-hmm. your your stress and sleep is going to your sleep is going to tell you why your motivation. Like if if I see that you're stressed and you're not motivated, but you're sleeping four hours a night, we know what to fix. Yeah. But if you're sleeping eight hours a night and you're stressed and you're not motivated to do the work, it might be time for a diet break or a deload the diet or the training is probably just wearing at you. It's like, fuck, when was the last time you took deload? 12 weeks. Okay, let's deload. And then the week after that, let's take a diet break, which is the perfect mix. Like deload training, then add a diet break where you increase carbs because that's going to fuel better performance. So we have two weeks of like essentially giving your body a little bit more recovery and or fuel. Yeah. Um, two different ways. In two different ways, right? Yeah. Back to back. And the only reason that like I used to go, okay, let's put uh, a diet break and deload in the same week and just like, max out recovery which has its benefits but a lot of the new research on diet breaks kind of makes me switch my opinion on that because one of the things they noticed in this recent one was the the performance marker that improved was muscular endurance um so to me it's like well if you diet break and i give you a deload you are going to be able to do more reps more sets all that you can do more volume in the gym if your muscular endurance ability is is up i don't want you to deload in feel like you can't push yourself or I give you a deload and you don't take it seriously because you have all this fuel. So I'd rather just go, let's just deload and separate it. 
increase carbs and then just increase reps and, and sets on everything when you come back fresh and have more food you'll perform better you'll have a crazy intense peaking week so to speak and then we go right back into a, a moderate volume with lower calories but um yeah i mean those are those are the main ones that yeah. i'm looking at progress pictures i guess would be another one i'd add but yeah. it's not really a biofeedback marker to track it's a physical picture yep all right good all right um Next one comes from Maddie Bunker. It says, at what point should I start wearing a belt? I'm assuming she means a weightlifting belt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm a fairly new lifter going on about one year of serious lifting and started to get and starting to get stronger in my compounds. Just curious if there's a good indicator when you should start using a lifting belt or if it doesn't really matter. Um, I would say it doesn't really matter. I think that, like, if I could have avoided ever wearing one I probably would have honestly um I think an indicator to wear it would be if you have trouble with correct breathing patterns during lifting um or you obviously have a back issue like if you have a back issue or you have a currently weak back it can be helpful the problem is is belts are kind of a double-edged sword like it can keep you safer because the reason i like it for people who don't know how to breathe properly is it's an external cue so if i'm trying to teach people how to diaphragmatically breathe so breathe not through their chest and their like upper lungs like but breathe through their belly so to speak like three-dimensional down low it helps to like tap their stomach right if i have somebody laying on their back and i'm trying to get them to breathe low i'll tap like their belly button area because you need something to press your stomach and your, your diaphragm into, right? If you don't, you don't know where you're breathing into. Um, so that external feedback and cue helps. A belt is that. So if you don't tighten your belt too much, it can just be something there. And that's, that's essentially why I use it. I use it as a way to breathe into the belt and then I'm not breathing with my chest. So that can be a really helpful way to learn how to breathe properly. The problem with it is, is some say that it can slowly but surely stop you from igniting your core when you need to. So this is why I had my recent back issue is because I go into a heavy, heavy squat. And when my body needs my core to just fire, when the weight is heavy, I'm down low in the position. It doesn't fire. I have to hmm. think about it firing. When you have 350 pounds on your back, you are not thinking about it firing. You are thinking about pushing the floor away and just fucking standing. Yeah. You got weight crushing you <laughs> like go. Um, so training your, your, your nervous system and your core to fire on demand takes um, sometimes like locomotion style stuff. So like uh, throws and then like stops. So like if I throw a ball into the wall and then the ball bounces back, being able to stop, like catch it and resist it from going forward or some of the band stuff where like if I was doing a power off press and you were holding the other side of the band and you're like pulling it every direction and I'm just trying to hold it still so totally. my hands don't go anywhere. That locomotion helps, uh, but also to just like dead bugs, um, doing anti-rotation stuff. So like arm and leg of the opposite side, extending while exhaling and, and putting yourself in those unilateral and unstable positions while firing your core. Um, side planks, Copenhagen planks, dead bugs, bird dogs, um, different carries, all those kind of things help a lot. Um, and you have to train those a lot. But if you just use a belt, sometimes it kind of band-aids that and you don't learn how. And you feel great until it's too heavy, yeah. right? And that's exactly what happened to me. So um, if you can avoid using a belt, I would. If you have trouble with breathing, you can throw it on to help with the breathing patterns. But I do think it's best to train your core to be able to work without it. I think you'll see power lifters lifting super, super heavy weights using it. And it's not because their core doesn't fire. Because their core does fire. They wouldn't be on that platform lifting at the level they are if it didn't. It's just because they just, they, they use every 
little advantage. You know, there's some supplements I take that people are like, oh, is that necessary? And I'm like, mm, probably not. But it might give me like a 1% edge. And you want that edge. I want that edge. Yeah. Like I want to create the best, like I'm, I'm really into this stuff. Yeah. Like the average person, I'm like, you dude, don't even worry about taking that. You don't need it. But I think it's just one of those things, totally. you know? So yes and no. Depends. Yeah. All right, cool. We got uh, one last question here from Rachel Hannah Gardner Turner. Whoa. Sounds like three names in one. Hang Artner. Hang Arter. I'm not sure. Sorry, I butchered that, Rachel. You said Hannah Gardner Turner. I was like, that sounds like three names. Hand Gardner. Hand Gardner. That's it. No Turner in there? No. no. <laughs> I keep hearing different things. My chiropractor discourages using a lifting belt. Oh. <laughs> In general, but I'm seeing things about using one when you can squat your body weight plus deadlift 1.5 times your body weight. My squat finally reached my body weight, so now I'm questioning. My form is great, and I, but I also don't know the science behind bells for safety purposes. Can you clarify the facts? Is there any more questions on that list, or is that literally the last one? That's it. Okay. Because um, we basically just answered that, so I was going to say yeah. we can pull up another one. But, um, I mean, I, I described most of that. I don't, I don't know what else I can really... I mean, say, I mean, it, like I said, the science behind it is simple. Like it just helps you create compression. If your if your core isn't creating that that compression, that brace that you need, a belt can help. Yep. You know, um, but you want to be able to do that naturally, especially if you're not. My thing is this: like the more, the longer I would say, the older I get in the gym, because I don't think I'm old by any means, but like been doing this a while right yeah. so the more years i have experienced in the gym there you go the more i realize i want to be able to do things without crutches so uh, a belt is a crutch will i use it if it helps me of course but i want to know that i could do without it if i needed to you know so like for me it's like if i'm going to max out on a squat i want i'm going to i'm 100 going to use the belt when i do my max attempt but I want to know that I could work up to that max without using it. I want to know that I can go every leg day doing my sub-max efforts without it. Like I don't want to rely on that belt. Mm-hmm. Same thing with lifting shoes. If I'm doing heavy squats, I'm going to wear my lifting shoes. Um, but That's I, a crutch? I mean, it is because when you elevate your heels, it takes the need for ankle mobility out of it. Ah, So you go. can squat deeper with yeah. better form. But if I took those off, I couldn't squat as deep with good form. So is it like oh, this is helping me, or is it like, oh, this is covering up the fact that I can't squat very deep? Mm. You know what I mean? But again, it does aid me. So what am I going to do? I'm going to use them when I squat heavy, but I still work on ankle mobility. So if I didn't have them, I can squat ass to grass. I have great ankle mobility. So I don't need them. I don't have to rely on them. And I think using things like in that manner as I go longer in the gym, I think that's just kind of like my philosophy is like, use it if it gives you an aid, but if, if you can do without, do without. Like people ask me about straps or gloves. And they're like, can, is it bad if I use gloves? I'm like, no, like I would use a strap. Like I can lift, I can row for reps, the hundred pound dumbbell and I'm fine. But you give me a 120 pound dumbbell, I'm probably going to need some straps or some chalk or, or VersaGrip or something. Is that like babying it? No, it's just that like when I'm going for that max effort, if it yeah. gives me a slight edge, because if I don't in my pinky slips, my form's off. So if this helps me keep my form tight through the, I'm going to use it. Yeah but I don't need it until I get to that max F point. And I think that's, that's a good way to approach it. Um, and the, the whole like 1.5 times your body weight, all that stuff. I don't have anything to say on that. Cause there's so many numbers out there, man. Like I've, I've heard like, Oh, twice your body weight in a squad. I've heard, uh, the one on bench was like, I want to say it's 1.5 times your body weight in bench. Wow. But, but no, like you would think that, but 
I crushed that, and uh, the bench is my weakest lift. Um, okay, I'm not even close to that. I don't think I didn't crush it, but so two six. So my weight right now is two sixty seven, and I was a few like at the end of my last little cut that I did, which I wasn't. I was still performing well. I hit two seventy five for a rep. I hit three fifteen on the pin press, which is partial range of motion, but still, bench is my like weaker lift of bench squat deadlift. Like why? You know what I mean? To me, that doesn't sound like it's like a high standard. Yeah. Um, and some people, like for me, like deadlift, I can deadlift way more than I can squat. So like those numbers, like deadlift, I feel like I can hit that number really well. Squat, I don't think I could, you know? So I think it's it's all relative. I think like that's why like Wilk's, Wilk's scores and stuff like that are cool to look at because that's basically like, okay, based on, and I don't know exactly what it is, it's powerlifting score, but age, weight, height kind of thing, like these are the the totals you should be hitting. Yeah. So it's not like your squat should be this. It's it's combining your number from bench squat and deadlift together. It equals blank pounds. Is it 800 pounds, 1,000 pounds, 1,200 pounds, whatever it is. That's your total relative strength score. And I think that's better because if I suck at the bench, but I'm great at the squat, my strength numbers will still show that. Because totally. you got to think too, like if you have shorter arms, which I do, bench is, is that's easy it's money you know i don't have to travel very far if the bigger my chest grows the less range of motion i have to hit too if i had really long arms that's a long way to travel it's you yeah. know what i mean same with deadlift if you're pulling from the floor and you're really tall and you have long legs it's a long way to travel same with squat long femurs you're fucked <laughs> not only is it a long way to travel but your hip dominance you sit into it and hurt your back so i think total scores are better because if you look at your mechanics and you're like this is going to be my weakest lift because of how I was born and how my body anatomically is. Yeah. So I'm going to practice these ones more to make up for that. And my total score is better. You know? So I would look at that more, but yeah. Cool. All right. Um, you have uh, any announcements today? No, sir. That's a wrap. Uh, as always check out the Taylor trainer. Yep. Leave us a five star rating review. If you're in the Taylor trainer and you've been enjoying it, please go leave us a five star rating and review in iTunes or app store or Google Play. I don't know. Wherever you <laughs> wherever you leave reviews to download it. Yeah. Um, we'd appreciate it. And if you're not in there, you should probably check it out. Later. Peace.